Welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm David Lappin. I am alongside Dara O'Carney. I will be guiding you through some of the last fortnight's big poker stories. I'm delighted to say that we will be joined by a very special guest this week. So special, in fact, that he's going to do one of those very fashionably late entrances, uh, the great and good. Joe Ingram will be joining us a little later. But before that, I want to dive straight into some poker conversations with Dara. Dara... Well, before we do that, actually, speaking of, of, of Toe Ingram, I believe that you have uh, <laughs> had some toe issues in the last while. Wow, that what 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 a segue. Toe Ingram. I, I like it, Dara. I like I, I like the way you did that. Um, yeah, I did have a, uh, a, a sort of a carnival comedy of errors a uh, few days. Uh, three broken toes, three separate instances. I was diving into the water, not my usual spot here in Malta, dived onto a rock, broke my toe. Shit happens, okay, grand, hobble out, broken toe, no big deal, middle toe, of, uh, right foot. So I thought, okay, I can pretty much live my normal life like this. Uh, very next day, I had an air conditioner in this very room, sitting here and uh, completely out of the way, like an air conditioning unit should be, that's unplugged and not hanging out the window. And my girlfriend was like, get that off the floor. It's just taking up space. I'm going to move it. I'm going to put it away in storage. I said, just leave it where it is. There's no need. She said, no, 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 I'm going to take it. So she takes it out and leaves the room with it. Now I'm mid Sunday session at the time. So I just assume it's gone now. Anyway, as you do on a Sunday, five minute break, I rush to go to the bathroom as soon as the five minutes start. And she just put it right behind the door. So I walk straight into it, hit my broken toe, which created a lot of pain, but also broke the toe next to it. So now I've got two broken toes. Obviously, I blame Sharon for that one because, like, let's face it, it is her fault. And then three days later, I'm not making any of this up. I'm now wearing flip-flops in my outdoor life because of the broken toes. I can't wear proper shoes. And I'm going to collect my son from school. And there's a bit of a slope down to where his school is. And I'm walking down the slope and I sort of slip on the slope because there's no grip in the flip-flops. And I stub the big toe on my left foot and I break that as well. And that's a really nasty one because that's dislocated and broken. So it's all mangled. And uh, yeah, so basically I've been hobbling around all day. I arrived back to kind of tell Sharon the bizarre news that my toe is fucked, uh, as, as well as the other ones, of course. And uh, my son jumps off the couch straight onto my newly broken toe, which again causes tremendous pain. And uh, yeah, that was that was the story of my week last week. <laughs> just I don't think I've ever broken a toe before and I broke three toes in three yeah, seconds. It, it reminds me of that time. I can't even remember where we were. You called clock on somebody for the first time, time in your life and you enjoyed it so much. You were calling clock had every possible opportunity for the rest of the weekend to the point that, was, that we said you I had think... clock tourettes it sounds like you might have decided breaking breaking your toe was good fun as well so you wanted to break another few um tourettes i guess you could call it <laughs> oh wow how, how much are you preparing for this show now because it now seems like you're doing more prep than me <laughs> <laughs> zero prep just uh, just lots of toe, toe puns <laughs> well look enough my broken toes uh, and on to uh, I suppose a new story from a week or so ago but of course this is a fortnightly show uh, on the last episode we fawned over Jack Hardcastle and his second GUKPT main event win in Coventry the other big main event of course that week was the Goliaths and um, you just have to take your hat off to it just what a festival this one has become 10 years ago it started out Boldly calling itself Goliath then, it attracted 1,700 runners, basically grown by 1,000 people every year. And uh, this year, a staggering 10,584 entrants with Kyle Jeffrey winning the first prize, 200,000 sterling for a 150 quid buy-in. Not too shabby. Darren, this was the biggest tourney, numbers-wise anyway, ever held outside Vegas. Speak a little about the importance of grassroots poker being so healthy right now. Yeah, grassroots gra- grassroots is huge at the moment, and we're seeing that here in Ireland as well. Like the the hottest new tour on the scene, the Irish Poker Tour, has been getting amazing numbers, five hundred and up on on one day events with very fast structures. It kind of goes against the grain of what a lot of people in the industry think. The uh, you know, when you look at at, at at what the bigger operators are doing, there are certain things they're doing. They're they're going for very deep, slow structures. Um, thinking that that's what appeals to recreationals. Um, they're putting on mixed games as well, um, which again, I, I, I honestly believe this is this is one of the, gra- the grand follies of poker, the idea that you can persuade recreational players to play mixed games. Um, but these 
the, the, these tours like Irish Poker Tour and like Goliath, um, they, they they are sort of honing in on exactly what uh, recreation is like. They like they like fast structures. Um, they like a chance to win a lot of money for a very small buy-in, um, and that's and and that's kind of crucial. And you know they they know that that means yes, it's going to be a crapshoot for a, a lot of the way, but um, that actually ends up playing into their skill set anyway uh you know the, the pros will have a much less edge when everybody has six big blinds than when everybody has 600 big blinds um and one of the things i always say about people who you know played the big 25k coming up is like don't don't go into that when everybody has 300 big blinds that's 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 really not in your interests um and you know a former student of mine won one of the goliaths as well it's 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 a genuinely huge tournament for a very small buy-in and it, and it does create a great buzz I think they were hoping this year this would be the year um that somebody called David would win because you know David taking down Goliath is just the ultimate uh uh clickbait headline I think um better than your one for Vegas slots online but yeah I mean grassroots in general it's it's vital to the game this is where sort of the heart of live poker is um it's not really in the sort of 25 case um it's in the it's in the 150 250s where you can win 25k or more yeah great points very good points indeed uh also part of that festival gotta say was the goliath ladies event didn't mention this on the last show and it actually just happened but i got the results right after was our pal katie swift hosted this event and i'm gonna say it was won by unibet poker twitch streamer emily risk it for a biscuit glancy she outlasted 218 other players she did a strategy stream with you and i dara about a year ago, I want to say. I'm not trying to claim responsibility for her great win. It's all her. But uh, it was clear from that stream what a talented, studious and hardworking poker player she really is and, and how dedicated to getting better she is. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I was delighted for Emily. Uh, she's a great character as well. Very, very, very passionate about the game. Wears her heart on her sleeve. Um there's no and you know what you see is what you get with Emily she uh she shoots straight from the hip she's definitely one of the people that you you would um it's great to have her on poker it's no surprise that uh, she's one of the Unibet Twitch streamers um very entertaining lady but very hardworking lady as well I was absolutely thrilled for thrilled also thrilled for Katie that it was such a big success um the ladies event because Katie works tirelessly um on 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 her own ladies group and on on representing ladies and welcoming ladies in general um and you know, Katie, Katie for me is a is a genuine female role model because she plays that sort of welcome welcoming role too. But she's a proper player in her own right. Uh, she she her 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 record is 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 really good. She also um, she plays quite a bit online, uh, which you know we talked about when we had her on the show, and that kind of flies under the radar a bit too. And and actually, Katie is one of the advanced re- uh, readers who's currently reviewing our fourth book for us. Um, we we thought highly of, uh, enough of Katie to think that she would be one of the one of the experts we go to for, for that. And and you know she's she's a mom. She has a, a business as well. So she's um, she's she's just incredibly hardworking all around. Um, but uh, but a really positive influence. Yeah, congratulations to Katie. They were actually planning to have her on a future lock-in. So watch that space. And of course, congrats to Emily, who won £5,865 and a main event seat uh, for what I'm pretty sure is her best ever live score. So, you know, hopefully the first of many. Speaking of grassroots poker, Unibet are big supporters of grassroots poker in Ireland. You mentioned the IPT there a moment ago, Dara, but the other big event every year that sort of supports players of that buy-in level is the IPO, sort of the mini Irish Open in a lot of people's minds. That's in the Bonington Hotel in Dublin. Traditionally, Halloween weekend. This week will, uh, this year will be no different. Super satellites are running every day between now and when that festival begins. And there are 33 euro satellites on a Sunday to the 300 seat uh, with six guaranteed every week between now and then as well. So plenty of opportunity to get in there, guys. If you like your grassroots poker, we recommend getting in on the cheap. It can be even more grassy and rootsy if you get in for 30 bucks or even less, maybe one of the feeders. Uh, Turning now to the big online festivals that are going on across the interwebs right now. Uh, Dara, we played every day last week and even a couple of other days the weekend before of the Unibet online series, a mercifully shorter eight-day affair this time round. I know you've committed yourself to a grueling six-days-a-week schedule throughout this month uh, playing, I'm sure, Unibet games, but also all the big series on PokerStars and GG and elsewhere too. Um, in fact, I know that right before 
uh, this lock-in began, you warned me that by the end of it, we may we may be hearing buttons clicking in the background because it's PKO day. And as we know, you can't uh, regulate to a PKO. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. I read the book. It's definitely yeah. not allowed. Um, Dara, we did your top tips for grinding online series this time last year. Sort of another way of getting to the same maybe material. But what are your top three things to avoid? What are the potential pitfalls when putting in a grind like this? Well, I think the first thing is you have to uh, sort of decide at the start whether it's realistic that you're going to play absolutely every day. Um, I think most people can't play anything close to their best if they're playing every day. You probably need at least one day a week off um, if you're going to commit to a three or four week grind. Decide what that day will be in advance. You know, you can look at the schedule and decide which day the, the, there's the least stuff on. Um, but make sure you take that day off so you don't burn out. Uh, that's point. That's uh, tip number one tip number two and and you 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 you've already sort of let this one out of the bag but um so many events now are pkos and i still see people max late regging them or re-entering them endlessly and you're just burning ev when you do that uh essentially you're renting you're renting a tournament where a large portion of the prize pool has already been paid out and therefore you can't win um so that's just going to massively affect your your ev long term um I hesitate to give that one because obviously one of the reasons why PKOs are so profitable for uh, for those of us who come in from the start is the fact that we do come in from the start. But um, but in, in the interest of fairness, um, I will point that out. My third tip is uh, don't neglect the other games on the schedule. And and I'm, I'm going to shout out our, our, our good friend Martin Mulsar, Myrtle Moo for this, the, the king of the bowl comps. Martin used to do a thing of he would when the series were on he would avoid all of the series games and grind the other games because he, he his reasoning was that the regs migrate from those games and they just focus on the series games while they're on and and the other games actually become much much softer as a result and I have to say that's been my experience this month I haven't gone well in the actual series games I've had a few deep runs but no but no really big score but I have um I have been doing very very well in the smaller games um you know the, the 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 normal nightly games that go on, and that's and that's made the month profitable. Even though, um, you know, when I think back to previous years, I di- I didn't actually do this, and I remember you know going through a series, and you know you'd have a few deep runs, but if you'd had no big score, you you were basically heavily down for the month. Um, my series this month has been similar so far, but I'm actually up for the month because of the fact that I'm grinding all the other games. Well, when you win a, an MTT of any nature uh, every night, as you have been there, I mean, it's hard to go into the last column. Um, anyway, to, to some other results uh, between WCOOP and the online WSOP, there have been lots of big results, naturally. I'm a bit sketchy, I'll admit, on the WSOP online results because they don't actually play on GG. But I do know former guests, Soheb Porbondrawala, just won a bracelet in the, I think it was like, New Jersey slash Nevada WSOP.com online. It's, they're getting so niche now, Dara. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a win toilet bracelet, which, of course, Jamie Christeller will win later in the year. Yeah, well, I think Jamie's already won, won one of those. So, um, yeah, it's I mean a New Jersey bracelet. How many bracelets are they giving out a year now? It's 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 got to be well over a hundred at this point. Um, <laughs> between all the online ones and uh, the various ones that they give out uh, outside of Vegas in general, it's. Um, but no, but not yours. So have yours is real. Yours is so, real. So, well, um, yeah, I mean it. It it always boils down to like. Who actually wins it? Like I said, when Carlos won his bracelet, like if if some random person I'd never heard of won, I wouldn't care about that bracelet. But just the idea of Carlos getting a bracelet, Carlos Welsh, um, is just wonderful. So yeah, we'll we'll celebrate that for sure. Yeah, and we'll and celebrate yours too. So have um, in the W Coop uh, Spanish pro Sergio Ido won the five k six max W Coop beating. An FT that included two top Irish players. I want to give shout outs to Ronan Sweeney and former guest Alex Kulev, who finished fourth and third, respectively. Both of those lads have actually taken down titles of their own this week. Alex won a 5K PKO for 113K, including bounties, and Ronan won a 109 five card PLO eight event. Uh, in other results, Ole Shemian won a 5K PKO. Thomas Mulocker won a 5K Turbo PKO. Andres Neymar won a 2K PK. Hang on, this this word PKO keeps cropping up. Dara, they, they, maybe is there a book these guys might have been reading? Yeah, there might be. I was I was actually thinking about this recently because um, so much of the big schedules now are just PKO, 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 or one one non PKO, and. Uh, it's uh, that that's really the way online poker has gone and i'm playing so many pkos myself too that my my thoughts on pkos have actually migrated a little since i wrote the book now i still stand over everything in the book it's it's mathematically and and 
theoretically and fundamentally correct but it's fair to say there's some meta stuff maybe about peak chaos um that i hadn't thought about so we might need we might need to do an updated version of the book um at some point but yeah as far as i know still the only um pko book on the market is is the one behind me pko poker strategy um barry as ever incredibly inventive in how he titles these books um but uh yeah um it's it's it, all of my recent wins have been pkos as well so um but again that's not probably surprising given that probably 75 percent of what i play these days is pkos well don't worry guys uh it won't be long before he has another book to shill to us all so uh we'll, we'll be wedging in uh, uh ways to advertise that i'm gonna i'm gonna say november dara is that right november maybe yeah we're hoping for november at the moment it's basically with the advanced readers and they're they're going to come back and either assuming they don't tell us the whole thing is shit you need to rethink this um <laughs> And, and it's just more uh, cosmetic changes. We'll get those changes done hopefully during October um, and get the book out in November. That's that's the plan at the moment. Um, we would definitely like it out by Christmas because that's the period when books sell the most. Um, launching a book in January is really not a good idea. Fantastic stuff. Well, I look forward to reading it myself. Turning now to what was a highly anticipated interview for the poker world, Bryn Kenny agreed to go on Joe Ingram's Poker Life podcast last week, his second high-profile interview since the Martin Zamani whistleblowing interview that he gave to Doug Polk. Obviously, this is the point where we will be bringing in Joey. But before we do, what were your thoughts, Dara, on the interview? Brent clearly had half an eye on promoting his own poker side in doing this, but he also would have known he wasn't going to get the softball interview. He knew that Joey would come at him as a much more combative interviewer. Yeah, and and, and I think Joey probably pushed it as far as, as you can go. Um, it's it, there, There's always that dichotomy for uh, interviewers that you really can't push too far because um, the guest might walk out as we <laughs> discovered on a more recent uh, <laughs> uh, Joey pod. Um, and so, so, so Joey would have known that going into Brin, like, you know, similar to like, obviously Daniel Glenn is never coming on our podcast because he, he, he knows what kind of reception and, and interview he would get. People will only go on podcasts uh, even when they're trying to rehabilitate their image as Bryn is desperately trying to do now, knowing that they're going to get a relatively soft ride um, or at least that it's not going to be a, a total bare knuckled encounter. Um, so I think, you know, one thing I would say about Joey is like Joey would never claim to sort of come from the objective uh, school of of journalism. Um, Joey is very much a passionate poker person who really cares about that and that comes across in all of his podcasts and that's probably his big his biggest selling point the fact that he he genuinely cares about poker and and obviously the fact he's a former player so he understands all of the issues around that stuff so that's what you're getting with joey rather than sort of you know a frost and niven or whatever um a frost and nixon rather um i I was like what did david niven ever do (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so yeah i think the interview was probably as good as it could have been um, from Joey's perspective, but there is still a limit on those things. You do have to realise that the reason the guy is there is to try and rehabilitate his image and he's not going to um, tolerate uh, too much pushback. Um, I mean, Joey gave him a fair amount of pushback to be fair to him. and um, But yeah, it's it, it's it, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm not sure what purpose these things serve long-term really um, in the poker space. Um, obviously, from Bryn's perspective, he's trying to rehabilitate his image, um, but does it really do that? Uh, and then from Joey's perspective, he's trying to shine a light on sort of uh, and, and answer some questions of the poker community. But but again, he's kind of hamstrung as well by 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 the nature of the situation. So it, it's one of those things. Like obviously, I'm glad he did it, and I think he did the best possible job. But it but it but it does feel um, sort of a self limiting format. Yeah, Bryn is a slippery character. And unless you really kind of like caught him in a lie or caught him in a kind of gotcha moment, which in fairness, there was enough hassling, uh, particularly in the second half of the interview from Joey, where I I thought he might 
let something else slip. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they're all great points. At this juncture, I want to bring in our special guest this week. He is a podcaster, an entrepreneur, a manscaper, and an exponent of the great game of Pot Limit Omaha. He vanished off the face of the earth last year, uh, enjoying no doubt a well-earned social media detox. I think that's what they call it these days. He reappeared a few months ago, but who knows, will he be back for very long? So let's savour him while we can. He is our great pal, Joe Ingram. Joey, welcome back to The Lock-In. What's up, guys? What's going on? You guys are grinding here pretty hard. Still, still working hard on the show. You guys are doing good work. We never stop, Joey. You come in with these like intense bursts, but we just keep going. Yeah, I know. You guys are basically doing what I did for a long time, where I was grinding every week, every week, every week, every week, every week, and then eventually I was like, uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe let me do a different schedule now. Well, look, Joey. Let's jump straight in. Dara just gave his opinion there on Bryn, saying it's limited what can be an achieve what can be achieved in an interview of that nature clearly Bryn is going to be guarded about what he says but that certainly didn't stop you getting after it he was in your hot seat so to speak and it's fair to say that while he ducked and weaved and dodged and denied you did try to hold his feet to the flame what were your main takeaways from that interview yeah, the Bryn Kenny show. I mean, that was that was what like eight days ago. Eight days ago, sometime in current world, feel like a, a lifetime ago to even remember your thoughts about these things. So, I guess my thoughts eight days from now are, you know, I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe as as my my job is to you know what is my job really as a person having someone like Bryn on or to ask him these questions is really just to give him a platform to get his answers to try to get to the truth or try to get to figure out what happened here, right? We got two stories, very opposite sides of stories and a lot of different instances in terms of what took place here. So one guy's saying that all this stuff took place. Another guy's saying that, you know, hey, well, a little bit of this took place, but a lot of this other stuff, like this is not true. Like this guy's not trustworthy. You have no evidence, you have no proof. So, you know, I kind of get both sides of the situation there. It seems obviously one side's very, very incorrect, but as my doing the hosts, it's like, well, it's up for you to make the decision. You just watch this. You listen to this. What's your decision and what's your takeaway going to be? And then for me, I just got to decide what's my takeaway, right? If I now I heard more from this guy, does that mean I want to work with them? Does that mean I want to work for his, with his poker site? Does that mean I want to help promote his stuff, right? Like that's sort of on my 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 shoulders to make that decision moving forward in terms of that. Yeah, it's always the case, I think, with interviews. Uh, I experience it all the time, actually, where when I look back, I, I really wish I'd asked like one follow up question or, you know, just re regret missing something in the moment. Was there any aspect of that interview, if you could go back in time, you would change or a question you would ask, a follow up question? Yeah, a few, a few people I, I, I watched uh, after the fact who were kind of talking about it said that they would have asked maybe more about the ghosting stuff because there was more in the text. And I think at that moment in time of the conversation, I was, and I think about this a lot after you know, what else would I said or asked, but I sort of, my impression was that he had an agenda that he was trying to get across and he was getting his agenda across no matter what I asked him. So, uh, was I, maybe I'm just not the right person to ask him more about a lot of these questions, a lot of these things and other people out there, obviously everybody's got their own opinion. They got their own strategy. They got their own idea of what makes a good question and a bad question, but a lot of your answers are going to depend on your guest. So if mm -hmm. your guest is going to give you what they want to give you and people aren't going to be happy with that, then, you know, there's going to be a disconnect there, I feel like. So, you know, we could have dug deeper into the, the some of the ghosting stuff, but I feel like I did ask a lot about that. I got answers. I don't know what that would have changed for people to know more about some of these these instances that he talks about that he's acknowledged doing in the past. So, yeah, yeah. for me, the best part of the interview was when you sort of very in a very clever way, actually cut through a lot of the bullshit and just made broad statements about how problematic staking relationships are in the context of being a game starter, an affiliate, an agent, as Bryn clearly was for GG. It was impossible to argue with your general points there. And it's impossible to see, to not see a conflict of interest that clearly existed for Bryn. I really got the feeling though, and, and I don't know if this is, accurate but it felt like just maybe this scandal other cheating scandals poker world in general there was a sense that it was really bumming you out that it was you were having an emotional response to how kind of sick and tired of all this you are how disillusioned has this made you about online poker in general 
So disillusion means that this stuff is not true, or what? What? So disillusion, just, think, just uh, sad, I suppose. Disappointed. Oh yeah, I don't know, depressed. man. I think I think sad. I was maybe sad when I did research on the Mike Paulson investigation because the thing about Mike Paulson investigation is I got basically a lot of people sending messages about things, and they were telling me all these stories, all these different things that they think about that happen with every facet of poker: online poker, live poker, private game online tournaments, online cash games, operators, all these things. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I started really researching in the strategies that people are using. And I've literally never heard some of these discussed in depth. And I was like, oh my God, these are the, the craziest things I've ever learned. So I would say that was the start of my change from how I used to think about poker to when I, you know, kind of had a shift, right? I was just like, oh, it's really just not what it seems. And then I think with this, this, I was just like, damn, you know, this really isn't going as well as I thought it was going to go. And I was hoping it was going to go better. I was hoping the fans would be like, oh, be hyped up, be excited about it. Really want to hear more from him. He'd give, give the fans something that they would be like, oh, we really wanted to hear about that. But there really wasn't much of that. And I think during it, I was just like, yeah, phew, I guess this didn't go like I thought it was going to go. And obviously with the whole poker world, right, you know, I wouldn't say sad. I mean, I'd say it is what it is. So I'd mm-hmm. say that's the, that's the state of where things exist in certain areas of the poker world if you pay attention to them yeah i i think there is just a, a sort of a matter of factness about the the state of online poker in particular right now maybe the poker world in general but online poker does feel like we're, we're in a sort of a, maybe a, a very precarious or delicate place now with rta and with you know maybe the preponderance of these sort of um bot farms ghosting stables whatever you want to call it dara can you say something maybe a bit more positive about online poker right now or are you sort of despondent too no i was actually thinking about this today when you mentioned that we were going to be discussing it and i'm I'm probably a lot less despondent than i was a few years ago i think probably the peak bad time for me was maybe five years ago when a lot of this stuff started coming up and also um you know the whole feeling around online poker was that it was dying on its feet even even the major operator at the time poker stars were kind of saying we think poker is dying and we're just going to squeeze as much money out of it as we can uh in, in while it lasts um whereas now i mean let's face it we've always had cheating i mean that's that's not new um from when we started you know almost from day one there were cheating scandals um a lot of them a lot bigger than than, than this one actually um but i think the the regulated sites for the most part are doing the absolute best they can to catch these people and to act um when they are caught and that's positive um and i also think that the way online poker has moved um you know particularly on the tournament side away from vanilla tournaments to pkos which are let's say more immune to rta than either cash or normal tournaments that that's a that's a positive development um so to be honest i worry a lot less at least in the games that i play mm-hmm. now i accept that there's huge problems in other parts of the ecosystem and you know caveat emptor if you are looking to operate in those areas mm. but i actually feel that online poker is actually probably as healthy as it has it ever been right now and we're less concerned and the fact that i'm currently multi-tabling <laughs> while having this discussion with you guys kind of proves that that i i, I definitely haven't given up on online poker or uh or, or or feel particularly um um bearish that's the negative one right bearish on it um <laughs> I, I do actually think online poker is in a pretty good state and and in pretty good hands in terms of um, the people in the industry who are sort of looking out uh, to catch cheats mm-hmm. and also people like Joey who play a huge role in informing the community as well. Um, like I think the work Joey did on, on, on Mike Postle was, was absolutely amazing and, uh, and it's great to see him back um, sort of engaged uh, in, in, in poker again. Well, let me speak on that what you said, Dara, because you made a good point. And I do think that poker is basically better than it's ever been. And I think that it's never been easier in some ways to make money at poker, especially when I look back at my strategy I used years ago to battling on public sites. Now, basically, you can set up. I mean, these guys are having their own private clubs. They're setting up their own private games online. They're setting it up live. They're getting people from all over the world in these clubs. Uh, I mean, the ways strategies I've seen people using to to make money as poker as the vehicle are basically more than ever. And what you're talking about is more tournaments. And I think tournaments are probably popping off because poker is basically getting more popular in most countries because there's all these new content creators who are basically the promoters of the game 
that didn't exist before. So as these guys start to grow their channels and grow their followers, then that means that they're going to grow the overall interest in poker that people have. And then I would imagine those people want to come play. So I would imagine that they go look for a place to play. They're going to go play online poker. And most people play online poker tournaments because it's way different than playing cash games. And you could still have a big score in tournaments. And that's always going to draw a lot of people in. And it's always really easy to do. Whereas like I sort of look at it from the cash game lens of saying, okay, if I want to play cash games, if I want to play high stakes, you know, where would I go? What would I do? What would those options be? But if I just wanted to play poker and not really care about winning and uh, or play a lot of tournaments and then still try to grind those out as well, too, which a lot of tournament players are obviously doing because tournament world is doing pretty well right now. So I would say that really poker is in a great place to start Bowman and uh, we're kind of seeing that right now in America. We're seeing that around the world with record fields in these tournaments with bigger, bigger prize pools in some of these new tournament series and more and more content, more and more high stakes tournaments, more production, more ambassadors. All these things are really, really, really starting to build up right now. So I, I feel like it's going to that place of poker that I imagined it would always go when I started doing my channel was that there'd be real opportunity for people to work with reputable companies and uh, I don't think we've seen a ton of that in the past, better or worse, right? We've had a couple of companies we could work with, but, you know, I, I just kind of touch on that there. I, I really, I do think that it's, it also isn't a great place. Well, I have to say, I'm really glad to hear both of you say that. I, I did feel when I was sort of prepping this, that it, it could go to a very negative place. And actually you've both managed to spin it back into a very positive one. So I think I, and hopefully our listeners will be very appreciative of that because I think they do take their lead on sort of how to feel maybe about, you know, things of this nature that they don't always understand all the nuts and bolts of it. And uh, yeah, to hear two people like yourselves um, sort of give a positive uh, voice to this, I, I think that's really good. From one Kenny interview to another, uh, Joey, you also interviewed Ebony Kenny yesterday, in fact, uh, after her massive week in Cyprus at the Triton Poker Festival, where she came fifth in the 25K for 240 grand and then came fifth in the huge Coin Rivet Invitational 200K buy in event for 1.7 million. You and Ebony, I know, go way back. I know you were on her virtual rail during that final table. I saw you in the chat uh, while we were both watching the, the final table. Uh, how pleased were you to see this result? Uh, it was great. It's always always great to see one of your friends do well and have success, especially I've been grinding, working hard for a long time. So I think it was awesome to see and, uh, you know, kind of a, ma a matter of a matter of time coming in some ways. Right. Just for Ebony, it just kind of was going to be what was that way that your break or what was the opportunity that would come or something like that. So it wasn't surprised to see that she got that opportunity to go play. And, uh, you know, she's been working hard in her game. She's got really good coaches. She's been grinding for a long time. She knows how to play. So not really surprised to see her have a positive result over there. It's awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, it really was. Uh, obviously, the, the last hand, it was a brutal way she got eliminated. Uh, it was such a huge spot. Again, the equity is kind of preposterous. Um, if she holds there, she had jacks against nines in an all-in spot. Uh, unfortunately, a nine on the turn meant she went out in fifth. But had she held there, she would have pulled away from the sort of chasing pack, got a bit closer to the guy who was running away at the time in first. And, and definitely a top three spot would have been almost inevitable, I think, from there. Um, maybe she even goes on and wins the event. So, you know, bittersweet, but, you know, probably mostly sweet. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe, but I have to ask, things got a little heated between uh, the two of you at the end of the interview. Obviously, the chat was involved. Uh, Donna Morton, a great friend of ours, a wonderful supporter of poker and a, a tireless giver of her time to poker Twitch communities, especially yours too, uh, said mm. something to the effect of women in poker shouldn't be bitches to one another, uh, which honestly, to me, seemed like a pretty fine thing to say but ebony took exception to the word bitch being used in that context and said it was toxic and that your failure to censor your audience was toxic and it co contributed to toxicity toxicity generally do you think she was a bit unfair uh i mean i don't know what do you guys think right i i, I mean i did a long stream yesterday seven hour stream broke down each comment post that she made understandable right i brought up phil Nagy a second time when she was talking about dan negrano and talking about women in poker she's like i don't need to answer for this guy's allegations or what this guy's been involved in i said yeah it's a good point and really need to bring that up again we discussed that earlier agree with that point understand where she's coming from and then obviously you mentioned the moderator donna i mean i feel like donna is one of the biggest women advocates I know on the internet. So she's always been a great moderator. She said something, as you said in the chat 
using that word. And then Ebony was like, why are your why are your moderators using that word? Why are they calling women in poker that? We're supposed to be making women in poker feel comfortable. I'm like, whoa, like at the time I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, what do you mean the moderator? I mean, that's this is another woman that basically is very similar position as you. Like she's you're saying she can't use the word, she's using the word. Like, I mean, who's okay? Well, let me try to understand what's happening here, right? Okay, mm-hmm. she seemed upset. I would start talking about a different topic, censorship. She was talking about being upset about that word being used and about the community and about creating that kind of behavior. So I was trying to really understand, uh, you know, okay, like, you know, what's the, what's the problem here, right? Okay. This, this lady said that, and I'm talking about censorship. She's talking about the lady using that word. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, I couldn't really figure out what the problem was in real time. I'm trying to manage the chat. I got the chat rolling down. All these people are commenting. I'm like, okay. So after the fact, I was like, okay, I talked with Ebony a bit. And then she makes this tweet about, being on the show and um, about the, the the 10 steps there. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I did the show, did a lot of call-ins, broke down each point, like agree. And some, I, I didn't need to go back to the Phil, I, Phil Nagy thing. And I agree that the chat shouldn't be calling women that kind of word. Agree with that hundred percent. You know, if, if my moderator in the future, then I can't control what people are going to say. I can tell them, hey, let's not say that again. Let's be respectful to women. Let's treat women with respect. Let's be welcoming to women. Let's be welcoming to our guests, especially friends of my guests. Let's be make our guests feel comfortable. And I think that that's what on me as the manager of my chat to be able to kind of dictate that and with guests I have on, especially someone that's supposed to be my friend. And I think that she just thought, you know, hey, I didn't need to go so hard on a certain topic and I didn't need, go back to it and I didn't need to, and I was fostering that sort of community in my chat, which, which, uh, you know, the toxic chat, to- toxic to women and not welcoming to women. So I think that was the, the, the main sort of understanding of that when I, when I've talked about that a lot the past few days or I guess yesterday, really. Yeah. Yeah. Once Don, Donna realized, because I, I watched it in real time, once Donna realized that she had used a word that caused offense to Ebony, she immediately apologized in the chat, immediately deleted it and, and said um, that, you know, she was sorry for, for causing offense. Again, that's classic Donna. She would have said something that she really meant because she really is passionate about women not dragging each other down. But then, you know, once she realized she'd used a word that was charged or at least perceived as charged, she, she wanted to, to back away from it uh, in, in deference to Ebony. Honestly, I think if you were just going to take the word bitch out of it and just say, like, I, I, women in power shouldn't be shitty to each other, uh, just as anybody shouldn't be shitty to anybody, I suppose. But mm. for the record, I do want to make this really clear before turning to Darren now. Um, Donna didn't call anyone a bitch nor would she ever she's a really kind and lovely person she said I don't think women in poker should be bitches to each other which is obviously making a reference to a kind of behavior that she doesn't approve of and wouldn't like to see I do think it's very very linguistically different the point she was trying to make Daryl what was your interpretation of what Donna said yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. That was clearly what Donna meant. I think, obviously, uh, unfortunately, Ebony doesn't know Donna. If she if she did know Donna, I think she would have realized that Donna would never use it the way that she 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 seemed to think she uh, she used it. Uh, I mean, Donna is one of the great champions, uh, not just of ladies poker, but just poker in general, recreational poker. You know, she 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 doesn't just appear on the big streams like Joey's. Um, Donna is the MVP for a lot of um, streams that almost nobody watches, like Ian Simpson, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and and she has helped a lot of Twitchers on the way up. Um, she's somebody who like doesn't really chase the glory or or anything she does she puts in a huge amount of work on twitch on lots of different streams um she also has helped us greatly promote this show and you know she's just a great person all around uh she's exactly the type of person that you want to have in poker on your side um so it's really sad to see her sort of get dragged into this um, you, you do have to be careful with the words you use, particularly around Americans. It turns out that uh, there's a B word, a C word and an F word that you're better off avoiding. Um, and <laughs> we're sometimes we sometimes slip on that stuff, too. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I would just ask people to remember, uh, like, just how much incredible work Donna does for the community for for no real gain of her own. And um, that I hope that's what people will focus on rather than than this um misunderstanding i hope as well that the misunderstanding gets cleared up and that um ebony realizes because you know fair play to ebony i i understand completely that she feels constantly under attack <clears throat> because of stuff that, that that mostly guys do um and therefore she's uh she's p- possibly easily triggered in these spots but uh you know donna's definitely one of the good ones 
For sure. Well, turning back to you, Joey, actually, we're, we're sort of speaking of maybe like triggering words or whatever. And, and that's not to use the word triggered, like there's some weakness in someone if they get triggered. It's very easy to get upset about something, particularly when you feel a bit under attack or bombarded. Another word Ebony seemed bothered by in your interview was the word shilling. Honestly, I think your use of the word was perfectly fine. Uh, I, I think as soon as anyone wears a patch, they are shilling. Um, now, the way you go about shilling and the things you decide to shill are important. And I think there's a right and wrong way to go about it, a responsible mm -hmm. and an irresponsible way to go about it. But it is just a matter of fact that ambassadors do shill. That's just like what we do. Um, if someone, for example, uh, you know, let's say nicks the skin under their balls using a manscape razor, they might come to you, Joey, and say thanks a lot for shilling that bushwhacker to me on your stream. I don't know. They chop, their, they chop it off. They might. They might be mad at me. <laughs> but look, well, one thing I just want to ask about is that, like, I suppose to get to grips with that, the nature of the word shilling. I guess people don't like the idea that they over promote you know like we might put a patch on we might represent something we might feel like champions for something that we that we want to uh, be ambassadors for and say positive things about or we might also get paid to do it and when we get paid to do it it seems a bit more shilly but mm -hmm. you know do you feel like there's a tension there like do you feel like the word carried another connotation like it was like a bad thing uh i think people i think people uh do use that word as like maybe like a insult in some ways i think it's just like normal right like mm. if i'm shilling manscape then i'm promoting it promoting and shilling are the same thing to me so i can shill something that i really like and really care about and think it's a great value for the product for the customer and i think it provides a great product and service to the, my fans and whoever i'm promoting it to but i'm also shilling it when i do that so everybody got everybody got their own opinion on these words man you know what I, everybody's fired up these days people are on edge like and I don't know, it's really interesting to see, like, I, I it's, this is really interesting to be a part of because when I was going to come back, I was like, man, you know, the things I've been thinking about, the way I think about media and censorship right now are so different. So I know that that's going to be a controversial point with people in the poker world, because a lot of poker world is very progressive, it seems like, and they're okay, we are got to shift ideas, and we got to shift rhetoric, and we got to shift language. And it's kind of a, a bigger picture of what's going on in the world in general, where there, I mean, maybe in America, I don't know what it's like over there. But in America, that's certainly been one of the big agendas is to shift the way that certain types of people are treated and the language that they are used to treat those people. And there's a really big push and a really big thing on that. And then if you violate sometimes in some in, in some of these words then before people maybe they didn't get that upset at you but now they get really upset at you and then they like start saying you got to stop you know what i mean so like mm -hmm. i feel like all these language and words and things to me you know they all mean the same thing promoting shilling like you're shilling it right look at that you're literally promoting it you're definitely a shill so mm -hmm. i don't know i don't i don't know how they're clear a promoter of a poker site is a shill for the poker site you're the billboard for the poker site you walk around with the poker billboard on and say, hey, come play at the game. Why are you doing that? Because they pay you money. They didn't pay you money. Would you do it? No, you wouldn't do it. You'd go somewhere else that's going to pay you money to wear the poker the poker set on there. So I think that's pretty fine. That's how a lot of creators, media people, that's how they make money. I mean, this is very normal business outside of poker. This isn't very uncommon. And it should. I think in poker, it's kind of like looked at in some ways as negative, but very, very standard practice in basically every field of someone where they have an audience or they have fans or content creation everybody's doing this so i don't think it should be as taboo as maybe it used to be in poker because now i mean everyone doing it in every every industry of influencers yeah i gotta say 100 percent agree with you there and i think that was a great breakdown of it you mentioned there phil Nagy earlier and obviously not wanting to bring up that point again from Ebony's point of view, she didn't really want that brought up again. And I get that. Okay. Um, but, but just touching on that subject just momentarily, um, you know, basically Ebony was criticizing Daniel Negreanu for shitty behavior of his, misogynistic behavior of his from her past directly affecting her. Um, and then, you know, some of the chat were generally saying, oh, well, it's, it, isn't it hypocritical because you know, she got invited by uh, Phil Nagy and she's sponsored by Phil Nagy's site, um, you know, and he has his own misogynistic skeletons in the closet, um, not too recent past. In fact, Vanessa Cade got asked these very same questions a few months back. And I said the same thing then, which was basically a, a sort of a, is it fair in your opinion, Joey, to question a woman about the past misogynistic behavior of her boss? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. That's what Ebony pointed out as well, was that it's not the it's not the woman's responsibility to answer for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, all, all fair points. I would say in this situation, I saw it as he was the team member. It's not your it's your team member, right? Like if you if I go on your team and then I'm like, oh, I'm not advocating for you like that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I am advocating for you. If I bring you and say you're my teammate, then and to a poker event, no matter her, you bought me in. I mean, this guy's on my team, like he's my guy. Then to me, that's advocating for that person. I bring you around promoting that person. That I, I feel other people can see it a different way and they might not agree with that. So I think that topic, that idea came up about, you know, hey, like if we're gonna talk about this topic with Daniel, like, well, what are your thoughts on on Phil? That's why I, I was genuinely just curious. I'm like, well, what are your thoughts on Phil Nagy? Then I mean, this guy had the same thing. What you're describing about you saying that Dan Grano makes women, women feel uncomfortable in poker. Well, Phil Nagy seems to make a lot of women feel uncomfortable in poker too in the past. So what are your thoughts on that? Because this seems relevant. And she was just like, hey, that's attacking me again. It's not, I, I didn't, I mean, I thought she did great answers earlier. I was like, well, I'm curious what your answer is, right? Cause you got some pretty good answers earlier. Seemed like you got a good understanding of this. I'm learning a lot to how you're framing the ACR situation. So maybe tell me, let's talk about this again. So I think when she went back there one more time, she was like, you know, that's going too hard on me. And it's not the time and place to do it. Like we're here to celebrate these things. I'm not here to answer for Phil Nagy. And, and I agree, right? I, I don't think no. that, I wouldn't say it's a common thing I would ask a lot of people, but Ebony specifically, because I know her and have a relationship with her. And we talk about these topics, I feel like pretty often, then I didn't feel a, a problem asking her about it. And I would ask her about it in private, but at that moment in time with what was going on, it probably wasn't the best time to do it. And mm -hmm. I would agree with that. And I shouldn't have brought it up again. It really wasn't, I didn't, she didn't need to answer for it. I didn't need to bring it up. And, uh, but is it fair or not? You know, it's up for anybody else to decide. I mean, some people don't mind answering. Some people do. Sure. So. Well, for the record, neither woman, uh, Ebony nor Vanessa ever defended Phil's bad behavior, but it seems like there is a sort of a purity test women must pass where they must take a stand against everyone or they can't take a stand against anyone. Like, I don't, I, I, I a frustration for me is like, what do people, do, do people want Ebony to quit in that situation, leave ACR? Because Agreed. it seems to me that if every woman, uh, you know, quit her job, you know, because of the bad behavior of men uh, in their company, that, you know, not a single woman would be employed, probably. It's just, it's a very difficult uh, situation. But Dara, I, I want to sort of maybe like come back to Triton, because, you know, I suppose that was the overarching headline of this one. And uh, Sam Grafton, very happy story. Uh, he put on a bit of a masterclass, it must be said, shorthanded, uh, particularly in a spot where he was in an ICM coffin and then managed to kind of flip it and put everyone else in the ICM coffin. He was a very worthy winner. Uh, he uh, was obviously just off a, a second place finish at that same festival for a million dollars, but clearly this 5.5 million score um, will be the uh, results that he will be remembered for, um, particularly maybe beating someone of the caliber of Linus Lowliger heads up at the end. Um, Sam came onto the UK poker scene probably around the same time as us, maybe a little before us. We've seen a lot of him down the years. What are your thoughts on Sam and, and this result and what it might mean? Yeah, Sam's a very interesting character because he's obviously been a big character since he arrived in poker um, more for a lot of it, more for his opinions than uh, than anything else. He seems to have blown hot and cold in poker too. There were periods where he was fairly all in. Uh, you know, he used to make jokes about grinding the the hot eleven every day, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he 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 did sort of pay his dues over a long time. And then he appeared to have a period where he sort of lost a bit of interest in poker. But then I think he hit the solvers very hard, and he came back as a as a as a genuine crusher, a genuine beast. Um, which it which is which is is great to see. Like he's probably the most um literate person in poker i would say like his book collection just puts the rest of us to shame mm. uh, so you can kind of understand that there are periods where he's sort of more interested and focused on his other interests but there are, uh, but it is great to see that he's back at poker he's one of the old guard like we've known him all our career we wouldn't go so far as to say that we're actually friends with him but you know we've certainly got on i've i've, I've i always enjoy having sam at the table he's good banter um he's always good humored uh, there's never anything malicious about him um so uh yeah it's 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 great to see somebody like uh sam get the rewards for all the hard work he's put in 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that Triton Festival um, is almost over now. Absolutely massive one. Uh, other high roller tournaments at that festival were won by former guests of this show. Patrick Antonius and Cale Burns, particularly happy for that Cale Burns result. I know he was absolutely spent at the end of it. It was a, a grueling one for him, but that was a, another great result and marquee result in his career. That was in the 75k event. Uh, I want to end with you, Joey, because you are our special guest this week. Um, before we let you go, where did you go and are you back for good? Listen, I don't know. I don't know, David. I mean, that's the question I'm asking myself now. It's just like, I basically just always had a desire to see what else is out there in the world. And, you know, I realized I've been doing poker since I was 21. There was, it wasn't another way to make a living at the time in my life when I'm 21. I didn't really, 22 online, online ecosystem really wasn't what it was. Like there was eBay and stuff. I used to do eBay when I was a kid, but I just never thought about doing it again. And I realized like, you know, poker is not the best way to make, make, make money, right? Like poker media, poker, playing poker. There's not much money in poker. And uh, I mean, there is, you can make a living at poker, make a living at poker, but there's other industries where there's a lot of people doing really well in a lot of different ways. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, is this really what I want to be doing? So I was in Mexico, I was on the Mexican beach and I decided that I started learning about investing and finance and I was studying banking. And once I started studying what banking is, I basically said that these are, these are the topics I need to focus on banking and government and uh, geopolitics and how the world structure works. So I really started diving into that, learning more about that, becoming really interested in different facets of, uh, of how it all works together. And, um, and yeah, I got more into crypto, got more into working with some companies as advisor and working on with content and uh, doing a lot of investing with NFT stuff and crypto tokens. And then I realized that I didn't really know why the crypto asset prices moved for tokens and for NFTs the way that they did. So one of my ideas that, well, if I find a company to work with that has a token asset and a NFT asset, then I'll understand how a company thinks about how to build and scale that type of business. So then I can better understand how the pricing of that asset would work in the future. So that way I can be a better investor when I'm going to go out there and invest in other NFTs or other tokens or other projects, because I'll have experience firsthand inside of a company versus doing my DD and not really understanding the full intricacies of how these companies work and how hype cycles work and how they use that to drive uh, return on the asset on the actual market, because a lot of this just isn't, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the investing side of these things. So I basically did that work with this company for a while and it just went a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. And then the Brinkenny stuff basically happened. And I said, well, I got all these ideas for content and I got all these ideas for investing. Then why don't I see if I can use my platforms to, uh, maybe I'll have all this stuff work together and I can use my platforms to help take me to the place in life that I want to be in, in this part of my life. So that's basically what I've been doing is playing a lot more poker. I've been loving poker. I love to play poker, but the whole marketing of, of what my content is the part I'm just like, the part that's not always enjoyable because you're basically just posting and posting and posting and posting and stuff like that. That's the one strategy that, that most people use. So I'm kind of in that point now where I'm just saying, okay, well, what, what area do I want to pursue like quiet life or in front of my life being yelled at and making people having 10, 10 bullet point threads about me, you know? So that's, that's what I got to figure out what I want to do with David. Well, I don't know if you would agree with this, but like, you, you've always struck me as someone who, who just kind of goes hundred percent all in. And as a result, then, you know, the other side of that coin is you suffer burnout. And I don't know if that's exactly what you felt or what you feel when you take these kind of hiatuses as you have done over your career, but do you think there maybe going forward is a way to find a greater amount of balance that, you know, you, or do you think it will always be in your nature to sort of be all in, you know, hundred percent, 24 hours a day, and then sort of, you know, collapse at the end for a while. It's a great question. I think Mr. Beast talked about, he does that where he works till he has a mental breakdown and then he goes <laughs> and then he takes a break and goes back to it. And I said, that's basically what I do is I work, so I have a mental breakdown. I have a mental breakdown and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take a break. Now, I don't really think I do that, but I think what happened, David, is you know how it is on being on social media. And when you're off social media, it's just your own thoughts, your own ideas. You don't need to 
worry about being how you're going to tell this experience. You don't need to worry about telling your story. You don't need to worry about telling, having people say whatever they're going to say to you in a positive or negative way, being attacked for your ideas, being attacked for your words, being attacked for your language. Look what's happening right now. Mm. I'm being attacked for asking the wrong question, right? And some people might say it's not an attack. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a pretty much attack to me, right? If you're going to call somebody out there and say that they're doing this, then that is someone that is is attacking you and saying, okay, because I mean, I, I feel like the whole story really wasn't even understood in a lot of ways. And I think I'm allowed to, to feel that way about it too. But I think that the overall point of it is a great point that trying to be made in this situation, but at the same time, right? It's my language, my words. I said the wrong thing. I allowed the wrong thing to be said. And now I'm in this situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, what the fuck did I do here? And uh, is this really what kind of, I don't need to be in these situations. It's not like these are making me money. I'm not making any money from this kind of stuff. Like this is the worst idea I may have ever had. Like it, an idea that I really wasn't making money from. And uh, I, I'm trying to help a friend out. And then it ends up like this. So I'm like, oh my God, well, Am I, is, is it my, like, what the fuck am I doing wrong here? Right. Is it something I got an issue with or something I got a problem with? And uh, this was already a thing I didn't want to deal with in the first place. I was like, this is what I want to get away from. I don't care if I fail at whatever else I do, if I can get away from just fucking going through this stuff, but it's also normal content creator stuff, I guess. Right. So, you yeah, know, sort I of think in that point parcel, I think part and parcel of that as well as always taking risks. Dara, I think you could speak to this as well as like, we're, we're always making like, curative choices you know whether it's who we're going to have on the show how we're going to like you know ask our interview what topics we're going to come up and then there's always that sort of follow-up on social media very similar to joey's experience but maybe we're not quite as uh, much in the the frying pan as he is in right now but you know we've had definitely times in our careers where we, we, we've been in a, a similar situation but i always sort of comfort myself even if i'm in the eye of that storm with that like you're in a position with the platform and you take risks with that and you put your opinion out there and your opinion could be wrong and you open-minded enough hopefully to like you know acknowledge when it, it could be wrong if you know good facts and good opinions you know change you along the way that's really important too but like, how do you see it there like Joey's obviously sort of, you know he's just jumped back in and it's all got a little bit hostile immediately but I also feel like uh, a lot of people are, are having their opinions teased out here there's a dialogue about it and, and that's potentially a healthy thing yeah, well, dialogue's always healthy, but I mean, there's it's it 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 is difficult for somebody like Joey when he comes back and, he, and he's immediately thrown into the eye of the storm. I think Joey is a bit different from you in that you actually quite enjoy being in the eye of the storm, uh, and uh, you are you are well able to uh, handle yourself in a debate. Um, whereas you know, Joey's more uh, you know the role that Joey has played in poker is to sort of be the 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 question asker, not the person being questioned constantly mm. on on the choices he's making. Um, as I said earlier, like jo jo Joey's appeal is that he's not uh, sort of a, an objective, um, dispassionate reporter. He's somebody who's very much part of the story. He's he, he's essentially the the placeholder for the poker fan and. Um, and, and I think it's unfair to a, a, a lot of the stuff that gets thrown at him is unfair because he's not a journalist and he doesn't. Well, he's a journalist, but he's, he's, not, a, he's an award for journalism. Though. He's an award winning journalist, but he's <laughs> but he's not a he's he's not a traditional journalist who's expected to be sort of completely neutral. Sure. And everything. Um, and um, yeah, like I would ask people to bear that in mind as well. Like I always feel that if you are involved in the sort of whole content area yourself, then it's fair game. You can you can comment on other people, but a lot of the worst critics are people who literally contribute nothing to poker, other than they constantly bash other people's um, for 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 their content. And I would ask those people to ask, like, what are you really contributing if all you're doing is sort of constantly uh, tearing down people who are who are producing content? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be also fun. It'd be fun if like I don't mind being attacked for things, like, is that that you know this used to happen when I was playing poker all the time and there was poker table ratings. Did you guys know poker table ratings? Mm -hmm. yeah. The poker tracking site, you put your name in there. Basically my comment section was a battleground <laughs> and people would be like, oh, like you're a fucking bum. You can only make money from rake back. I'd be like, you, I'll beat the shit out. I'll, I'll play you anytime you want. I'll play 50, 100 right now, any stakes you want. That was my entire chat, right? So it's a, I, I'm, I got a very combative chat, very combative history. Like people say, you can't do it. I'm like, no, I can do it hundred percent, right? I'm like, I'm 24 tabling. I'm still winning money. I'm getting super off elite. If I played four tables, I'm going to crush poker. And uh, 
They're like, oh no, you don't know how to play poker. I'm like, I'm literally winning 24 tabling. You know how hard it is to win 24 tabling. It's pretty challenging. It's insane. Being right. Special. Like to win 24 tabling, it's pretty hard to do. If you played four tables and just played against fun players, you're going to crush these guys. So, you know, it was always like this, this element I've always enjoyed of this, like, oh, you're attacking me. It's a lot of fun. But when it's people, you know, like this isn't fun. You know, if somebody I don't like and I don't know is coming after me, I mean, maybe that juice comes out of me, right? I, I really ain't got a reason, you know, no, and I don't really have a reason to be very, very fired up right now or passionate or energetic. I'm sort of like at that point in my career, I'm looking around, I'm saying, okay, well, what's happening here? You know, everything's changed in poker. The landscape's changed. You got new players in the game. You got new businesses in the market. You got new companies trying to really build their brand and trying to find people to work with that wasn't there before. So it's like, do you need to worry about this kind of, do you want to worry about this kind of stuff? Do you want to get in the mix? Do you want to defend every point that you make? Do you want to defend yourself? Do you want to attack others? Do you want to call things out? Or do you want to focus on maybe some other more positive and, and uh, maybe more on the game, right? The game of poker itself than the theatrics around the, the industry the, dra the, the drama that we always seem to have look i we, we could talk all day and, and as much as i would love to i know you are a very busy man and probably have a lot of twitter threads to answer and a lot of twitch <laughs> chat to get through but uh look I, I sincerely from us on the show like uh, you know we do care about you know you as a person and, and the position you put yourself in here and uh, and obviously there's friendships involved and we hope that that just all works itself out and and hope that you know there's some good can come of this dialogue because it does feel so. like it's it, it's a fiery moment right now and uh, i obviously wish ebony well too um on that okay. note joey ingram thank you so much yeah, guys, thanks a lot. Yeah, I think everything everything from this could turn out great. I mean, overall message is is treat women with respect, treat people with respect, and and don't be such an asshole in these communities. The chats, the toxicity, the way you comment on the players. I mean, I think that's a a great message to to try to really spread more. So, but yeah, thanks, guys. Always always fun talking with you. Glad to see you guys working hard. Dara grinding over there, always in the lab, always working <laughs> hard. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you talk to you boys on online. I'll see you guys soon. You will indeed, Joey. Thanks so much, and thank Bye. you, Dara. Thanks a lot, Joey. Guys. Thanks, David.